Happy new financial year. Really? Happy? Listeners? Happy? And financial year. I mean, new financial year. Isn't it meant to be good? Like from a financial Yeah, thing? for you people who pay attention to these things. Yes, I'm still working through the stock take. Yes, the stock take. What do you... I don't understand. What are you take? What are you? What are you counting? Slices of paper? <laughs> no, no, like meters of frame molding and really? st- leather hides and rolls of fabric. And then what? Well, see, at the end of the year, they're classed as something you've got—an asset at the end. It's an asset, right? So mm-hmm. you record that, and it goes into your books. Are saying, well, the year's wrapped up, but we're left over with this, so we can go on next year with all this cool stuff. Okay. It's exciting. It's so exciting, honey. I'm no, like... It's, it's really hard, actually. Bursting at the seams boring. with excitement for you. Yes. So congratulations to everyone who has survived this current or this past financial year, who are Hung still on. financial, who are hanging on for dear life. That's right. Thank you, governments, for making our life possible and kind of supporting That us. was the paper. Uh, did you hear that? <laughs> I did. I just thought I'd ignore it. Yes, <laughs> I thought I'd ignore it. There, it was there again. Yes. So... Yes. Our guest this week, DJ, DJ Payne. With an E. With an E. And, and there is no pain with DJ. Did it, well, come on now. Uh, DJ, There's no pain with DJ. Come on. DJ and I lock horns every now and then. Yes. And uh, DJ. <laughs> you bouncing off the subject. <laughs> yes. Boing. 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 Uh, DJ and. <clears throat> I had a podcast for three or so years. You did. DJ and you had a podcast called Burns and Pain. Yes, which we don't... Which is just the best. I hope it's still available out there and listen to I don't know what he's done with that. Yes. But I... Yes, we we stopped that because we were arguing too much. You're arguing too much, yes, that's right. Because what was the premises of that or the premise of that? Well, the premise was that you can have diametrically opposed viewpoints and it can be all good. (laughs) All interesting. Turns out you (laughs) can have diametrically opposed viewpoints and then it just gets not I think you can, but when each one of you are trying to convert the other to your opinion, that's when it doesn't work. Yes, and you see, even as you're saying that, I'm like... I was never trying to convert him. I just want him to see sense. (laughs) (laughs) And he would say exactly the same thing. Yeah, sure. Anyhow, DJ has stepped into the breach because we We had had two fails. We had two fails with a podcast that week. It was brutal. I mean, we're trying to record a bit in advance to make life a bit easier. And we had two failures for really very different and interesting reasons that we'll get to Yeah, I mean, it is tricky getting the sound to be good. Just generally, because, you know, photographers, they're not ear people, they're eyeball people. Yeah, it's funny, the similarities between recording a digital image and recording sound are so similar. Are they? Oh, there are, like noise. What's noise? Noise is when your sense is picking up stuff that you really don't want to be there, and that's the sort of graininess. And Oh, there's all sorts of of similarities, but the the issue is... uh, well, there's various issues why it didn't happen. But so DJ stepped into the breach because I was dying to interview him at any rate because he – I said it was going to be a bit of an exit interview from the industry because he's – well, he's not retired as a photographer, but he's no longer a professional photographer. He calls himself an amateur photographer. Which is pretty funny given that he's been a photographer for 4,000 years. <laughs> Almost. And he did his first wedding overseas and his last wedding overseas. Yeah, but I didn't realise that he had shot – like, what did he say? More than 300 weddings. Oh, it wasn't that many. Yeah, he did. Did he? Yep. Okay. You weren't listening. I was listening. Were oh, you? just if I feel like he's got a lot of experience with all that work. He certainly had enough of his wedding and portrait 
to speak really confidently about it and how it works. And he watched the industry, and I don't think he was a great fan of where it went and what it became. And uh, Yeah, I mean, he's definitely old school in a lot of his opinions about this stuff. But I think also he's he's a kind of a mixture of being like Mr. Ultra-Conservative Grumpy Old Man and also really loving anything that's new. So he's, oh my God, he's yeah. a real um, yeah. conundrum on that. On that front, um, we were, we were, I was lamenting that I didn't ask him the question about social media because mm. he's the first to every single platform, yeah. and he thrashes them out, and he's so you know he gets a good beat on how they work and what Is happens. Is he on TikTok? Oh, I don't know. Aren't we all? See TikTok. Mm, TikTok's tricky. Like that was I because there's been a whole lot of stuff that's come out this week telling everyone to delete their TikTok because China's um, basically spying on us all and waiting to download some vicious virus onto our phones and destroy the western world which you know sure whatever but um i i downloaded tiktok because our children are addicted to it and um, not making tiktoks watching tiktoks yeah no they don't make them just watching them and it is really addictive is it it was i i could see how you could get into all sorts of trouble very quickly it is it, the format of it is is sort of it forces you to keep scrolling in a way that and I've been addicted to all sorts of social media. I have addictive personality and I've been addicted to addicted to Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and the whole, all of them for short periods of time. And TikTok I could see becoming a major problem um, because it is the algorithm is very sensitive its ability to go into what you're interested in and feed you that is very good whilst mixing it up with other stuff. And there is some genuinely fantastic content on there. Every time I get a TikTok video in any other stream, like Instagram or Reddit, Reddit yeah. I, I just like roll my – like it's not – like I don't understand the dance moves. Are they actually dance moves or the dance video background dancer moves? I Well, there's a whole lot of stuff. Like there's there are dance groups on there that are just insanely talented – individuals that have dance groups and they happen to be on TikTok. Yeah. Then there are like mums and dads that do, you know, these viral dance videos which are well, like We're talking whatever. about dance like 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 are looking at the dance and they're not they're not it's not like they're moonwalking or they're doing these weird repetitive loop dances. Yeah, I know. And that's all meme that's just meme shit that goes around in circles on TikTok. And I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. Most of that's not particularly interesting to me. I thought that the women on there that are doing drunk girl impressions of Donald Trump. Are oh well, that's hilarious. Yeah, like that's just amazing. That's hilarious. Um, and you know, there's there's stuff on there that like I will laugh my ass off at stuff, but I've had to I've removed it because I genuinely do think it is a security risk to all of our devices. I think what I've read, the, there was a programmer who's uh, pulled it all apart, pulled the app like reverse engineered the the app and the has code. found some terrifying stuff. So I removed it. I've tried to get the kids to remove it. They won't do it. Um, but I I had to limit myself, so I limited my – because I have curly hair, right? Those of What's you who don't know, I have curly – shut up. What's this so, got to do with DJ? What I'm telling you. Oh, fuck. I have curly hair and so I limited my viewage of TikTok to when I'm drying my hair. <laughs> <laughs> So what's this so, got to do with DJ? I don't know. Okay, I'm just. It's, I am surprised that I haven't heard from him. Maybe because TikTok's too mainstream for him now. 
Yeah. Well, he look. He what the thing is with DJ, and you'll pick it up. He thinks deeply about whatever he does, and he's quite willing to hop and change about with things. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. not maybe not with his core beliefs and core structures to who he is. Yeah. Uh, but he just sucks up all this stuff, and he's great with technology, and he really helped us with a podcast, and he was such a champion on it, and. And, and he's a, he is a, one of very, very, very few people in our life that I could call on and say, I need you to do, like, yeah, and I need you to run down Rundle Mall with nothing on I don't know carrying do my that. dog. And he'd be like, what time? No, no, it'd be like, I, well, I'm moving house next week. Can you can you help? It'll fly, fly He did. Geelong. He helped move my sister. Remember when he came yes, over and I helped know, move my I sister? Know, Holy he's shit. incredible. He's yeah, wonderful. so he's he's one of those guys that you just kind of, yeah, you know that in you know whatever happens, he will come and help you if yeah. you ask him to. And he's fabulous, and, and, he's got he, and he's married to one of the most beautiful and glorious and women on the planet. Women on earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's got such a great perspective on the industry. Yeah, and uh, and we went through a big learning phase together, and he was really instrumental in. Pushing you, Paul Alexander Atkins, otherwise known as the oldest living man on the planet. He's rolling his eyes. His big, beautiful blue eyes are being rolled so hard he almost fell off his chair. Uh, (laughs) But because you, especially when we started to really change things in the business about five years ago, when I came into the business. Seven years ago? Oh, you and your numbers. No, you dickhead. It's on the internet. Right or whatever. Ask Facebook. They know what's happening. Anyway, he was one of the really one of the biggest pushes to you to like get you out of your comfort zone and really and really do stuff that the market was wanting that maybe you didn't agree with or yes. like that much. But then when you know you relaxed enough 100%, to do it, 100%, he, he was 100%. enormous for that. And he introduced us to Kelly Brown. Yeah, and he introduced to Baby Summit. He introduced us to Photo Matt Merch Art Prince. There was so much about these things and, and a lot of film stuff and film users. A lot of it, he was right there encouraging Instagram, us. Instagram, I mean, Instagram oh was all Oh, my gosh, he was the Instagram leader, us. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, and he was like, and he had the, didn't he? He had the hipstamatic, I think he still uses it, the hipstamatic yeah. app that was sort of what, I don't know which chicken or egg, whatever. But, yeah, yeah so he. Oh, that really made Instagram work because. It people was, want the filters. It, yeah, people wanted the filters and they yeah. had to use it that way. Yeah, totally. Anyway, listeners, enjoy DJ and my interview and we'll see you it's afterwards. Two, it's two buddies having a chat. Yeah, it's a buddy movie. <laughs> Turn it hooch. Yeah, recording. Three, two, two, one. one. Oh, that, yes. was, that was way <laughs> off for me, but... You can. No, you, it was you, spot uh, on for you. Uh, did you put the? Do you put the audio together yourself? Uh, Kate will put it together. Okay, well then, Kate will figure it out. Hi, Kate. Love you, Kate. Miss you, Kate. <laughs> you know what? That that three, two, one. It felt so good. It <laughs> it's it's uh it was always your favourite part of doing a podcast. <laughs> but she doesn't let me. Like, there's no need to do it the way I've been doing it. And um, <clears throat> yeah, well, you know. It got you. It got. It always got you in the mood. You were. I think it was like a Pavlovian thing in us doing, whatever. How many sixty podcasts or something together? I think it was always a Pavlovian thing. Like when you when you got to go three, two, one, clap, you were Yay. ready to go. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Look, I'm on the Skype call with DJ Payne, and 
DJ and I ran a podcast together. Well, DJ ran it, and I was the the guest, the the numpty second fiddle for <laughs> how long? DJ, three oh, years. We did it. Yeah, we did it. We did it for a few years. Yeah, uh, we. Um, I started the original podcast. I'm gonna say, oh boy, back around 2012 or so, and and immediately that's a podcast I started with Corey Sleep. It was originally called Black Market Photo. That's right. Black and the Black Market Photo. And then it went to uh, Photographer Interview. Yeah, yeah. And, but but while, it was un, while it was Black Market Photo, Corey lasted about 11, 12 episodes and then it was me. And um, I started interviewing people. And, of course, you were very early on on the interview guest list. And you interviewed and then, my dad too. Interviewed. Yeah, he was – I think he was my first – he was my first uh, – interview. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed interviewing your dad, and um and then out of that we had, uh you, then I invited yourself, I invited two other photography professionals to start a bit of a Australian photography net uh, p- podcasting network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did that for about a, about two years with everybody off and on. You and I then continued on for another year or so, um and it was good times. But I th- in retrospect. I think I was a little bit too early to the podcasting world. Yeah, yeah, I know because now it's now. I mean, I'd be surprised if anyone, you know, you pick up any new listeners outside your own uh, ecosphere. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, because it's you know back then you could there's a chance of getting discovered. I don't know what our metrics were back then, but we're Look, seeing I, about fourteen hundred downloads according on, to on the a, RSS count on, on a really good episode if I had someone really good like a Zach Arias or a um you know I can't remember the name of the photographer who who is our biggest one but on a really big episode we would get up to about 1500 you know yeah, yeah. uh average average was about 400 and then like when I say average, like uh, uh, the lower average, but a decent guess would get us about seven hundred. With a little bit of a push, we'd get to about seven hundred uh, downloads and listens. A really big guess would get us double that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, we everything's changed, and you spend you spend most of your life on the radio. So I must be <laughs> annoying the hell out of you now, uh, because <laughs> because you know Saturday afternoon. And um and I must really I must really be making trouble for you because it's Saturday Not afternoon. At all. You're doing breakfast radio now, but yeah. there's a reason why you're interviewing photographers and the reason why you were talking that because you've been a photographer your entire life. And yeah, yeah, you have. Have you shaken it though, DJ? Because it's a bit of a disease, photography. Have yeah, you it, it, it? Oh, no, you'll never. I'll never be. I, I am enthusiastically an amateur photographer now. You know, after being, I got into, I photographed my first wedding by accident in 1994. Whoa! In in America, in uh, in Pennsylvania, and uh, with a with a broken, uh, you know, Pentax <laughs> film <laughs> camera, and the next year. That sort of started a bit of a bug for me. The next year I moved from Queensland to Geelong, moved from the Gold Coast to Geelong to help work in a photography studio. And I thought I'd do that for a few months, three to six months, learn how to shoot a wedding, and then I'd move back to the Gold Coast. And then, you know, I spent 10 years in Ge- in Geelong 
you know, and and setting up my own photography studio, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, so it was around about 95, I walked into it. And last, well, actually, uh, well, I... (laughs) You, like you say, I, you never get rid of it. I know. I could hear. I could hear this in your voice. You were yeah, gonna, yeah. You've been trying to shut your business down, your yeah, photography yeah. business down, for how long now? <laughs> yeah. Two years. Look, I photographed my last wedding. I, I, I photographed my last wedding in Texas in 2018. Wow, that's um, a long in, way to go for a wedding. Well, I knew. I, I, I tried the last three weddings I photographed. I, I publicly went out and said, "This is it." Last wedding, <laughs> the end, no more. And uh, and the uh, the the second last one was one to one of my very best friends who got married, and then out of the blue, a uh, a wonderful writer uh, who who beca- who's a, who's became a close friend, who was based in Amarillo, Texas, up the north, you yeah. know, panhandle there of Texas, yeah, yeah. Uh, contacted me out of the blue and said, "Listen, you know, you're never going to believe it. I've gotten engaged." And I'm looking at prices for wedding photographers. I could fly you out here for that. Yeah. And and I was like, done. This I mean, now an international wedding photographer. Well, I mean, for me, there was a beautiful symmetry in photographing the first wedding while I was on this America trip. Gotcha. In 1994, and then finishing it in Texas Last. in 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 2018. Yeah, that is kind of cool. It was Easter. It was Easter Sunday, 2018. And, um, but, but having said that, that finished my wedding career, that, that is over. Um, and even though I've had many, many people still contacting me to do weddings, I, I now just straight up say no, you know. So so what's the, what's the joy in not doing, not shooting weddings? What's the, I'm an old man man Joy in your voice. (laughs) You're not old. <laughs> 300 weddings was enough for me. As far as I could tell, I think I I think I within within about a dozen weddings, I was close to 300 weddings by the end of that, you know, 23 years I was photographing. Yeah. And I know I know that there's a ton of wedding photographers out there that's all they do who would go 300 weddings, what are you yeah. doing mate? I do that in 3 years. What do you you know, that's yeah, nothing. Yeah. But for me, um, that was a, that was enough weddings. I I think once you get to the stage, and some people just don't get there, you know. And for me, when I when I got to my mid forties, I'm only forty seven now, but um, when I got to my mid forties, I started getting very jaded around wedding photography and yeah. the wedding photography industry. That's my, me personally. I still love photography, and I think there's great wedding photographers out there, but um, I I. I, it, I lost the joy out of photographing yeah. weddings, and I think once you lose the joy, yeah. it's. I think I I was doing people a disservice still taking that taking that money off them. It's a bit of a like it's a bit of a magic event, a wedding, and yeah. and you do re- need to believe in the magic. Um, yes, you know it's it's that it's the you know keep yep. flying, believe you're flying the the. Yeah. <laughs> The, the Dumbo feather. The Dumbo, the Dumbo, yeah, the Dumbo feather. feather. Yeah, I had um, dropped the Dumbo feather. Now, look, yeah. but again, I want to I, I want to put it out there. The last few weddings that I photographed, even the ones that I wasn't personally connected with, because um, I I think I ended up doing five or six in that, you know, in the six months before 2018, in when I finished in 2018. And all of them, I, I believe I was uber professional. They got a great job. Yeah. They got exactly what they wanted. I was really proud of the work that I did, um, you know, all of those type of things. But I, I just, 
you know, back in the day when you were photographing a wedding and things were clicking, you just felt you could keep on shooting forever. Yeah, yeah. And and I was sort of I when I was looking at my watch in the last few years of shooting weddings, I realized that's not, you know it's time for me to start thinking about yeah packing yeah. it up. For me, for me, I I never shot weddings, but for my like my passion and of the idea of these of these big grand things it kind of died at a, at a wedding fair when i saw a, a young wedding party uh like dying to spend the money that they had on their wedding and mm. and you know like it's a lot of money these days to put a big wedding on it's yeah like, it's it's to be a big pro- proper full-on wedding you just you know you're dropping kind of 50 grand um yeah yeah and and i and i saw that and i thought oh you know like Guys, maybe there'd be a better way of spending that money. And look, I don't want to break the I don't want to break the spell of weddings in any way no, possible no. because <laughs> if you can afford that stuff, it's great. But these guys didn't look like they could afford it, but they felt they had to have it. And yes. and then and you know and not to you know not to make uh, you know photographers feel bad about their practice, but you know if it's not going to work for the people and they, they can't afford it, and you know you're putting them in a tough spot that this yeah. couple because they want all the magic and the beauty of it. Um, and maybe their scale needs to be revisited. Uh, but you didn't do shoot weddings, you know. Like you shot portrait stuff as well. You ran oh, a po- you ran a full on portrait studio. Yeah, yeah. I, my my passion um, was always portrait. I mean, I did everything in twenty three years. We did everything. School photography um, too. Yeah, a lot of school. I was a I was a contract school photographer for um, a couple of different companies uh, for about seven years. And that was only in the first, um, at least in Victoria. I know it's fairly, it can, it can be changed from state to state and definitely changes from country to country. But in Victoria, something like 85% of all school fo- photos are taken in the first term of, you know, of the year. So that first term of the year, school photography companies are hiring any monkey that can hold it. <laughs> You know, they can hold a, hold a camera. So uh, the demand was always there and uh, it was great money and I enjoyed what I did. Um, it actually taught me a lot about uh, commanding a group, yeah. um, being able to hold a lot of, you know, like, times where you have to photograph an entire year level of year nines. Yeah. You know, and... and they're the worst, and the, aren't they? Exactly. And, and the teachers you know, go, great, this is my time to get the smoke out the back and they leave you to it and you're like, right, I have right. to I have to take. So there was a lot of lessons in that over the years, but uh, school photography, family photography, uh, kids photography, baby photography, a little bit of newborn photography um, and a little bit of, uh, you know, personally the things that I wish I did more of in that 23 years, but you got to remember for most of that 23 years uh, that I was a, I was a photographer, really, you know, social media marketing and digital marketing and everything that everybody takes for granted now wasn't really a thing until, until fairly late in the game. But the whole um, photographing people who were, um, you know, in some sort of trauma or, you know, the, the ones that I remember going back is, is the, you know, 20 or 30 shoots that I did for people who had someone dying. Wow. You know, and th- and that's the thing that I, uh, you know, that I believed I had a great capacity for. Yeah. You know, I don't think everybody's got a good capacity for that. I, I didn't, I never did. I was asked by a lot of our, a lot of mutual friends that we have, Paul, a lot of organizations to get involved in the other end of the spectrum in the trauma of baby 
yes. you know, babies being born or yeah, stillborn yeah. or things like that. I could never bring myself to that end of the end of the you know the, the, the journey. Yeah. But the other end of the journey, whether it was even even for some people who were younger or older or you know middle aged or anything like that, there was a great dignity and there was something that I really treasured in creating. You know the photographs for people who I knew were gonna they were gonna mean a lot. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's when you know, one of photography's superpowers is that is yes. that holding a memory and yes, you know, and and locking a memory down. And yeah. um, I, I think well, we talked. I can't remember who we talked with Helen Roberts. Actually, she was the la, the the last uh, person we interviewed. She was talking about like she does both ends. She does heartfelt um, yes stillborn babies as well as funerals and and sees people through their end of life. Yeah, um, she's yeah. a death doula as well as. Which is just, you know, it's just magic. What she that she can run that herself through that gamut, yeah. through yeah. that valley, and 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 be and hold fast and be strong for these people and mm. and guide them along. Like it's incredible. It's mm. and I see, I you know, I can see where you're coming from that because I've always felt personally, and we we've known each other for a long time. Would it be 2011? Maybe we met. Don't, don't even. Don't, don't, don't even push. Yeah, no. no be, that, I reckon. Not, be, I reckon before that, I, yeah. I would say I would say, yeah, I would say two thousand eight, two thousand nine, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, it's just I've I've always felt that with you that I, I've known you all my life, and there is a thing that you do. <laughs> there's a thing that you you do. You have a way about you that um, I think would be very suited to, to that kind of stuff, and and I think that's why you're doing so well on the radio because. You know, oh. you're, you're everyone's mate. You know, you, yeah. you, you 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 do a great job of including everyone, and, and your empathy is is off the charts. Yeah. Uh, and I think your photography work, you know, reflected it. And I think everything you've got out of it is not been about the taking the pe- taking the pictures of the people. It's been about the people all along. Yeah, and hundred percent. Yeah, and we've connected to. And I think that makes a a fantastic photographer, particularly one that also can switch on. I've got to be a business as well and not just give mm. it all away. And mm. I don't know how you did that side of it, how you well, the, bore that empathy, but also managed to do the markup stuff that is required to run a portrait studio. That uh, Through making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> right, just going through, bankrupt a few times. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It's, it really is, you know, um, uh, yeah, I worked, for, I worked for someone for, you know, I've, I've worked for a lot of different people. I've worked for different people over the years who've been very sketchy on different different sides of things. And then I've worked for people who've been very generous and both sides, you know, really, they did poorly financially or they struggled or they had issues or whatever. So I learned pretty quickly that the best way, well, I didn't learn pretty quickly. I learned pretty slowly that the best way, and it was pretty much around the time I was meeting, I, I got to know you. I really do consider in my photography career of, you know, about 23 years and, and you know, Paul, you haven't paid me to just say this or anything like this. I really do consider there was pre-Atkins and post-Atkins for my photography career. When I found um, when I found Atkins, which was later on and through, you know, and I got to know you and then actually started using you as a lab, that changed everything for me because, um, you know, I, I realised that how, how stupid it was for me to be shopping around labs for money you know, like price, like bottom line type of type of discussions, and I realised that if I could find a lab, which I which I found in Atkins, 
that were ready to answer questions. And there were times, and there were multiple times, uh, you know, and Paul, we, you know, you you know, behind the scenes, where you pulled me out of a out of a ditch, oh, and on. I was like, man, I can't afford this <laughs> at the moment. And you're like, we'll work it out later on. Yeah, you know, type of thing. And I know that's not something you want to go around advertising. No, 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 no. But do. there's something there's something else happening there, and this is that's enough of the advert, right? Because <laughs> because because what 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 also was happening at that very same stage. And this is, and I'm just realizing this now. I probably knew it all along, but I didn't think about it. But we met. Yeah. I was touring with Pick Press, which yes. we were we were starting a photo book arm of the business, and I was talking about InDesign and using InDesign to design wedding albums. Which, yep. you know, in hindsight, now if you want to design a wedding album, use you know anything else. Yes. <laughs> you know, even Photoshop might be faster. Uh, yeah. Um, but you know. Uh, there, there are better tools. So we were there in the audience and you and I got together and we connected really quickly. And yeah. I think uh, it was around communal stuff we talked about because you were helping head up the, uh, a group of photographers on the Gold Coast um, yes. at that stage. And I was um, also very much an AOPP uh, person and we were talking community, yep. we were talking InDesign. You were way ahead of everything with social media and marketing and the understanding of marketing and network marketing. So f I think... What Kate and I got from that relationship was, and we, and you know, so yes, we, you helped, we helped you, but you you showed us that there was a a world of of like influencer marketing, which was has has become important to us. And you introduced us to Kelly Brown and yeah. to and to the Baby Summit and to Photo Merchant, yeah, you know, and yeah. this whole world that was, and and looking back on it, Kate and I felt that our business was sitting on on in a strip mall on an old the old road to melbourne we we're on the strip strip mall on the side and we didn't realize there was a freeway 100 <laughs> meters up over the hill we could hear the hum we could hear the hum and we knew there was like the freeway being the photographic industry is actually yeah. working mm. and there's there are businesses that are running that are actually real businesses and not so much the businesses that we've been witnessing slowly dying and and, and waiting away. And you knew where that freeway was. And yeah. we changed a lot of stuff based on that connections you you gave us and the work we did with Kelly Brown and um and the work we did with the other people at the Baby Summit. And and yeah. I, I think that sort of got us into this gear. Then you were kept saying to us, Hey, have you seen this Instagram thing? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh no, it's just all about filters. And and then it was, Hey, have you seen this Elo thing? Which of course, where's yeah. Elo now? And yeah, yeah, and yeah. about 50 hey, I'm still on Elo. I'm still on Elo. Me too, come on, come me on. too. And probably fifty <laughs> other social media platforms that yes. you said, Hey, yeah. what are you try doing with? And and you should try yeah. this. So you I think you've got this interest in new media and you've yeah. got this interest in connecting with people. Um, it's kind of funny that you've landed back in the oldest media, radio. In radio, exactly. Well, I, I'll put, I'll sum up everything that you've just said, and thank you, Paul, for saying nice things about me. Uh, all the mutual love fest is now over. Okay? Belong <laughs> to the mutual admiration society. My DJ and me. <laughs> the, we please, people, do not switch off. We're not gonna. We're, it's no, not gonna be a love fest for the rest of the time. Tunes. The, the um, uh, listen. The thing I'll, I'll say this: the best, the reason why I love the photography industry so much, and and I still love it, even though I'm not in it. Um, and and the best things that happen to me in the photography industry. You know, we're, 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 it's all about the people that you meet. But I'll even be a little bit more specific. 
the best people that I met in the photography industry were the curious people and the great photographers. I found a theme amongst all the great photographers and innate curiosity, not just about photography, but about life and people. And, and I think photography lends itself to that type of creative curiosity with people um, that the really good ones were the ones that took an interest in people, the ones that took an interest in what they did, asked questions, remembered what, and wasn't just like, I learned this trick to ask you what you did so I could, you know, it wasn't like a trick. It was a genuine curiosity so that the next time I caught up with or bumped into Sue and John down at the shop who I just photographed, I could say, oh, John, I remember you were telling me you work in water filtration and I saw this thing and they, it was just that curiosity that I think helped with the photography, but also helped with the connection of the people. And for me, I'm curious about everything and, you know, social media and websites and all that type of stuff is always something that just fascinated me. And so that was why I was always, and I still am, I, I love to try to jump, jump in an early adopter is what they would call me, an early adopter and try to beta test something or check out something and try to work out, okay, how can I use this for either my photography, for my business, or just for personal fun, you know, and, and I remember, you know, what I like, like even like, you know, and there's a thousand different apps out there that still do it. And some of them go popular. Some of them never go anywhere, but even trying, you know, this goes all the way back to photography days where, I remember one of the earliest gimmicks that I had was a, a friend of mine, and I'm talking back in 1995, came back from a trip to Disneyland with 3D photographs. Oh, yeah. You know, those, those, that's got the, the lenticular plastic over the top of them. And I always say the same thing. You remember you get a, you got a ruler from SeaWorld as a kid yeah. and you moved it and it moved or it had a 3D thing. And if you rang your fingernail over it, it was like it had grooves in it. It was like, you know, a bumpy record. type of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And they had these of themselves around Disneyland. I was like, what is this? And they said, yeah, we knew you were going to love this, so we bought you. And it was a disposable yeah. 3D camera from Disneyland. And that sent me off on a journey that ended, ended like I ended up, you know, in the world of lamography back before it was cool, like all that type of weird stuff, Russian cameras, you know, anything I could put my hands on. And then all of that, you know, became really hip, yeah. you know, in, you know, you know, the turn of the millennium. But, you know, those type of things, and it's, just, I think that same sort of curiosity about lens, uh, about, uh, sorry, about, um, you know, technology or apps or anything was the same sort of curiosity I had about all this type of stuff. How can I use this in my wedding business? And, and it's always the same thing. 50% of my clients were like, what are you showing me? They just looked at you weird. <laughs> And the other 50% were like, oh, how much does it cost? And and it was just fun to be able to throw that. And I had to keep myself interested in it all. It's interesting that first 50% of those people you mentioned, the ones that look at you strangely, mm-hmm. I think like that's where business lies in dealing with, you know, just being doing the same thing again and again and again. Yep. And, and, yep. De- and, do, and those people, there's probably more than 50% of them uh, than, than 50%. Uh, are happy with that because they're engaging you yes. for what you've done before, and there's this yeah, perpetual yeah. this perpetual conservativeness that comes with, you know, uh, that sort of stuff. And I I struggle working with photographers that 
don't get excited about things and don't try new things and don't aren't curious as well because yeah that, but they're the ones often that are running the better businesses oh because they just 100%. settle down and they get on with it right a hundred percent a hundred percent and 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 the only advice that I, I I sort of give people these days is yeah you've got to lock down that business side of things and you've got to work out how you can make actual money from what you're you know what you're passionate about whatever that part of photography is but I I, I do say you know, niche really, I find myself telling people niche down, yeah, niche, niche down, niche, niche. go go deeper. Oh, well, I do this, this, this. No, 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 no. You do one thing. You do one thing or two things maximum. And that's all you do. And that's the, and going back for me, I wish I did that a bit more. I, I wish I, um, you know, I, I wish I really pursued the things I was passionate about. And the things that brought me the most joy artistically, because I think I would have done a better job for everybody in servicing them and coming up with more creative ideas. Yeah. And I and I and I think the I think the fact that everybody lives on social media now, everybody's on Instagram and Facebook. So I think the way of marketing in for the future photographer is to become an expert in that niche that you're in. You know for example, and I'm happy to throw this idea away. I've been throwing it away. Is I this, kid you is not. Is this DJ's favorite business idea? Yeah, 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 did? yeah. I never did. I love I wrote this. A business. I, think you're, I think you're on the money with this one. Yeah, yeah. And who knows, if all the radio stuff, you know, implodes or I – I get bored again. I, I I've got the business plan here, and I could I could bring it out. This is totally uh, what do they call it? Creative Commons. It's Creative Commons here. Just give me a shout out. You don't have to give me any money. Just give me a shout out, and you can have this business idea for free. And it, it would be different for every person, so it's totally fine. I this is this is there's a joke here. There is a, there's definitely a joke here. It's a, it's an old um, it's an old uh, Louis C.K. joke here. As a 47-year-old man, I've got to be careful what I say here. I love photographing four-year-old children. Yeah. You know, and again, I know for some people in the world that we live in, uh, you know, with people being worried about, you know, children and, and adults and everything like that, uh, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a father of three and, you know, uncle of many and uh, I've worked with kids all my life, and and uh, you know I I think kids are the uh, are just the best things ever, and I particularly think that a four year old child is the most fun yeah. to photograph in the world. Yeah, um, they are they are just curious to the nth degree, and and so what my my business idea that I wanted to do was basically you know DJ photographs four year olds, yeah. uh, and that's it. So knock, knock on the door. Hey, I've got a three-year-old. Bye. Because, you, you know, know, you think about baby newborn photographers, beyond 12 weeks, they don't want to know yeah. uh, about it as a subject. That's fine. And and God bless all the newborn photographers out there. And that's a whole industry in and of itself. I got bored of that very, very quickly. Yeah. You know, I really started turning that, like finding someone I could refer that work onto very quickly because – after the, like the you know the hundredth baby that you photographed in the same nest of twigs with the same you know <laughs> that I was like I'm done I'm done I'm out of it so that and that's fine I, I, I it might be a paternal thing it might be a maternal thing but for me the spontaneousness and the utter joy of of a of a little four year old yeah uh, and you no know they're self consciousness all different. You know, like yes they don't they don't care got, what, they're not trying to please particularly no. 
they've got all their baby teeth still. They haven't got the teeth falling out. They haven't got those big, ugly teeth coming in yet. They're not not lanky. And they're not at that once they start going to prep or grade one, once they start going to school, they learn things like, you know, well, um, anything, it's you still- know, everything. They, well, they learn everything. Well, they learn, they learn those social cues. They learn shame. They learn embarrassment. Yeah. Um, they learn to be self-conscious a little bit, but you want that four-year-old before they get to that stage uh, that is just ready to have fun and they're ready to listen and they can understand, they can express what they're thinking and you find out what's passionate about them. And they, they were they were the most fun shoots I ever did, kids are four-year-old. And the other thing in running a portrait studio for 23 years, the number one question I got in, in running a portrait studio for 23 years and portrait photographers, you might be thinking the same thing. I'd love you to think of what the question you get the most. But for me, I would get an inquiry of a mum and, you know, hi, uh, my name is Suzette. Um, I've, I've got three kids. Uh, one is a newborn, one is two, and one is six. Um, when when do you get a photograph? When do you, when do you photograph your kids? It was always about when and what age is best. Yeah, yeah. And as photographers in Australia, we just go now. Today, I can fit you in tomorrow, where where secretly I began to realize that I was like, I just want to photograph the four-year-old. Like leave the other, leave the other two at home yeah. and I want to photograph that four-year-old for you. So I know there's other traditions in other countries about like in Japan and America and other other places in some parts parts of Europe where kids get photographed at different milestones in their life. Yeah. So my big master plan and the whole business plan would be to photography comes second actually in in my business plan. I mean the photography is where we make money and and taking photographs and selling photographs, but the overwhelming part of my business would be working with childhood developing you know, uh, professionals, yes. whether they're psychologists or professors or anything like that, and putting information out there about the four-year-old brain, soul, you know, emotionally, what does a four-year-old think? This is what's going on in their brain. Have you, you know, all those type of things. And then at the end of every, like all this information and education I'd be putting out there, it would be, hey, by the way, I photograph four-year-olds. Yeah. You know, type of thing. And, and you become the expert at four-year-olds, you become the expert in that, you know, that genre that you want to do or the niche that you want to do. And so pretty soon, you know, I, I believe that if you really went hard with that, you align yourself with certain things, y- you could start an entire industry. You could start an entire, you know, whatever that age is you, you, you love. Yeah. You could start doing, you know, doing something around that. That's my that was my business plan that I never did. I mean, I've seen some people doing some great work with preteens. Um, yeah, you know, because there's a lot happens just there developmentally. Same. Um, yes, 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 yes. It's very similar, yeah. and I think there's a lot to be said too for uh, getting close to high school leaving. You know, those yeah. those last few years where. It- you know, the senior portraits in America, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know that that whole market there, and that's been tried to be done again and again and again in Australia. And yeah. some people have some success, but I just don't believe we have that culture. Yeah. But where, I, whereas I, I really do think that talking to mums and dads whose kids are a little bit older, I often play a game with them and say, I want you to close your eyes and imagine your kids at their most 
childlikeness yeah. and their most fun they would be around. And when you felt as a dad or a mum that you were the most dad or mum to them and they just loved you unconditionally and they closed eyes. And usually, on average, it's either three, four or five or six. It's around that age group there yeah, yeah. that they re you, your parents remember those beautiful times together. And I'm like, man, that's what I would love to do. I would love to just be this photographer that, you know, every child that turns four, you get to photograph them in all these fun predicaments and, and things. And you, you, I, I think there's a real uh, gap in the market. I think the newborn thing is going great. I think the- You know, it still birth, is. It still is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's a great thing. Again, I, I, I literally was, I, 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 this is just a couple of weeks ago, went into someone's home who I'd never met before and they had uh, two kids. They had two newborn f photos on the wall. And I said, uh, the dad was there and I said, oh, these are the kids. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, who, which one's which? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> Go dad. And, 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 and again, again, so I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to slam the newborn photographers, but they, they were lovely photographs, but it wasn't about capturing the personality yeah. of the child because the, there is no personality yeah, there yet. It's just little sleeping bambino. So I know. I've, I've, yeah. I've uncaringly said a couple of times that it's not that different from product photography, you know? <laughs> You're like maybe getting a hamburger set up for a nice photograph. <laughs> is, is that much care and attention that's got to go into it? I mean, the end result, yeah. to the parents, it's everything's fabulous and wonderful and unique and that. But yeah. you, do, you pointed out, you start to see that. And then we went through that era where everyone wants to be a newborn photographer. And I think that's happened yes. a couple of times. Like Anne Getty's definitely yeah. had a huge effect on the, on the, on the yep. baby in a bucket sort of a thing. And, yes. and, then, and then Kelly Brown and her influence has been huge. And, yep. and I think we saw a bit of a rise and a bit of a fall with that. And I think it's now sort of stabilising, but I'm waiting for the next, what's next, you know? Well, I, I, look, please run with the four-year-old thing, people. I really do think that if you, or whatever the ages that you might love, you might love, you know, the five-year-old, you might love the, you know, the 10-year-old, whatever it is, uh, you know, Go. I, I think I think the market is is strong enough if you can really niche yourself. And the other side of it, and that's just the front end, the front end of the business model. Like that's the easy part, I believe, of of, of setting up this type of business. The set, the other part of setting up the business, and the biggest thing that I I I spent a long a lot of time thinking about and talking to you about, Paul, is I. The hardest thing for me as a photographer and the biggest thing that I've let my clients down over the years when it's been just me is, you know, I love to meet the clients, get to know the clients, photographing the clients is the utter joy of all joys. I even enjoy selling to the clients, like showing them their photos and them getting excited and buying, they want to buy the photos and come up with interesting products, anything Anything after that step, I have no interest in whatsoever. I am completely bored and compl yeah, completely un uninterested in that. And so I just wanted to find somebody, an organization, or better yet, a lab that I could say, right, after completely after that point, once I sell you everything, you are now dealing with Joe Blow over here. Here's the phone number. Here's the email address. It's all Joe Blow. And Joe Blow actually works for, you know, yeah. a lab. That's that's, you know, that, in, in, that's what we've found, that strength that comes through with the web gallery people, you know, the photo yeah. merchants, the the 
shoot priests, the pick times. That's where the strength mm-hmm. of that's come. Uh, the the trouble is, the challenge with it is, is you, I mean, it's providing you get your money enough money to cover the amount of shoots you're doing. Yes. Uh, during the week up front, because the the, the yep. add-on sales are important financially, but if they are that important financially to the whole equation, you need to be riding it because not everybody falls into the ordering uh, yeah. well. And so they've got to be ready for that as a part of the channel of, of moving them in and out. So tell me, did you work your best when you had a, a, a salesperson or a follow-up person working with you? Oh, 100%, 100%. You know, we we had a uh, – and it was around the time that I met you, Paul, that I, I, I had set up um, – uh, a, a business with a few other people, right. um, basically two other families. You know, we sort of got involved and did a few, did a few different things. We had business coaches involved and all that different stuff. You know, to different successes, we tried a bitch, bunch of different stuff. And for a a gleaming, I would say, three years, uh, we did a fantastic job. We were incredibly busy. We worked out our workflows really, really well, and um, you know. Uh, uh, the only thing I regret in the end of all of that was we didn't partner with a lab soon enough, right. if you know what I meant. Like we were – everything was bottom line for us. So if we could save money by getting an alternative supplier doing something um, – it I that wasn't I wasn't in control of that part of the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I think now, and I would run around people, run around to everyone at that stage of my career, um, being involved in the AIPP and everything else like that, and all the other stuff that we did back then. I would run around telling everybody find a business, find find a business partner, find someone because ninety percent of photographers I meet hated selling. Yeah. You know, and I didn't mind. I didn't mind selling. I just didn't like all the other. Yeah, stuff. the post production. Yeah, the post production was a nightmare. I hated it. I always hated it. Um, and so uh, I, I would say find someone who's cool with that, who wants to do that. And there are people out there that love absolutely. You know, yeah, love doing all that stuff and organizing that stuff. It's a process driven role, isn't it? It's not a exactly. It's, and and those yeah. pro, and those process driven people often struggle with the role that you've got. Which is, yes. which is, you know, your people and connection and, and that's. But the other, the other, the other great thing for them that I found, like the people that we had involved in it, and even my wife was involved in a, in a little while, they were the ones who were able to do the deliveries. Yes. And sit down with a couple and then go oohs and ahs of, you know, they got that joy of delivering the final product and, oh, wow, you know, all those type of things. Yeah. And there's so many interesting ways to be able to, to fulfill that. But now I, I, I change my tune for people. I, I say to photographers, especially young photographers wanting to get into the portrait industry, is partner with a lab, mm. you know, let them be your partner or partner with an organization or, or, or whatever it is that really can be a little bit of your process partnership yeah. and talk around. And if you think, because I, and, and I talk to people and they go, oh, yeah, I have, you know, Billy Bob doing my stuff. And I say, well, talk to Billy Bob. And they're like, oh, I would never talk to Billy Bob about the processes afterwards. And I was like, well, then you're with the wrong you're re- wrong lab, you know, type of thing. Like I really do think we're at a, we're at a stage in, in the industry where you could really partner, I believe, with a lab to really help you do – take everything further in your business. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, is there room for um – for the the business coach mentor in the photography, you know, do you think that's an important aspect of uh, it? Yeah, there's there's parts of it, but you have to go in there 
you know, and over the years, myself and then you and I and then other, we've been involved in a lot of different, co we've seen a lot of coaches come and go and everything like that. Look, the old adage, and I can say this now because I'm out of the industry, I don't care anymore, you know, um, yeah. be careful, yeah. go in there with, 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 with both eyes opened, ask around and be careful because... There are very few the look, the best business advice that I got over the years, I hate to say this, because I'm still friends with a lot of business coaches, was never from a business coach. Never what? Sorry, I never ne it, it was never from an actual business gotcha, coach. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it, it, I think it's you know, a lot of them are asking for do exactly as I say. Yeah. And that's not yeah. that's and, not you. You can't No. You like there are elements of what they say are incredibly value. And, and for yes. them, it probably works as a whole package. But I don't know yeah. anyone who's been successful who's just copied entirely what someone else has written down and just done it. Look, if, 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 you, if you're sitting there, and I don't know how you'd be listening to this pod, podcast if you are, but if you're sitting there or you know someone who's going, gee, I've got some money. Do I invest in buying a McDonald's, a Starbucks, or a blankety-blank photography chain? then that's the type of person who gets that type of coach in who's going to give them a model that they can copy and go completely like that. And that's valid for that type of person. But for most photographers and the photographers that I think I would love to see succeed are really creative, artistic people, are artists. And it's usually the artists who really do struggle with all the post stuff, you know, and whether that's, you know, some people, I think the dividing line is selling. Like some people really yes. struggle with, you know, selling. Some people don't struggle with selling, but it's usually one side or the other of that. But usually all that post-processing yes. stuff, they, everyone goes, yeah, universally, not a fan, yeah, yeah, not yeah. a fan. And, and that's why, as very sadly, I think that's why the trend in the industry, especially in weddings, has gone, I just give them a USB. Yeah, because it's easy. Or I give, you get the money up front, you know, there's the package yeah. and you're delivering the digitals. And yeah, I totally get that. And I think it's a legitimate business model. I, I, I really do, but... I just feel, and I know from experience here, from the people wanting to do things, that they people actually want to do things with the images. Yeah. The reason why they're engaging you as a photographer is because they want yep. that stuff on the walls that their parents had yep. or whatever yep. that they've seen. And I, and, and so and so the, so the, in the end, I, I always tell the, the young people, especially, and again, no offence, I'm an old man, you can... Right or you leave or you hate mail to me. Leave you keep Paul pretending out of it. that you're an old man, but you know, <laughs> you know, fifty is the new twenty-five or something, isn't it? Well, I'm I'm still a couple of years away from fifty, but I I um I tell people all the time, and this is probably because I didn't learn this lesson quick enough. Be more yourself. Yeah. Be more yourself. What are you actually into? Like I, I was talking to a, 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 a young lady the other day and she scared the living daylights out. I mean, she was a photographer and I, and, I, and I was giving her this pep talk and I was giving her the thing. And I said, what are you actually into? And she goes, well, I'm actually into longboard skateboarding. And she was sort of said that as a bit of a shame. Yeah. And I was like, that is the coolest thing. And she's like a mum of two yeah. who just happens to have a longboard skateboard and like to go down to the – and I'm like, tr believe me, trust me, all you need to do is put videos, not of you taking photos, of you longboard skateboarding. Yeah, yeah. And that's that. That's the deal. And she couldn't get, she just did. And I was like, no, because she really felt like she's like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not experienced enough. And she's been doing it for like three years. 
and you know, I'm not good enough. And I'm like, you are good enough. The photos are great. But I, but I think people really want to connect with authentic people, mm. you know, not like gone. I mean, I, uh, you, I mean, you, you, you more than lived through it. You, this was, this was your, your background, but I managed to getting, getting started in that, in that, uh, m- you know, mid nineties, I got to see the end of, and then watching digital come through between 2000 and 2005, that end of the nineties, I mean, I, I was trained and raised in the era of the photographer that was around from the fifties or even before the photographer who could hang a shingle out the front of a shop. Yes. Buy Hasselblad or a Mamiya or something. And they were set for life. Yeah. That, that was it. You know, got maybe a couple of studio lights and a flash. They could buy their kit, buy their thing, set the shingle up and then go, yep, I'm a pro. And people would come to them. And we, this, the secret of the industry was 90% of those people were the worst photographers in the world. Yeah, They were awful photographers. And when everybody became a photographer with phones and digital, it's been, I personally, I know it's destroyed the old industry that we knew and labs closed all over the place. But I, I believe it's the best thing for the for the photog- for the people who actually love photographs is everyone being a photographer. Yeah. Because if you can do something different and better and be more authentic and show them a better way, then you will win. Yeah. It's challenging and and you know pruning a rose bush means cutting it to the ground, doesn't it? And yeah. and that's what's happened to our industry and the and the bush is better for it. I I I think Yeah, I do. I agree with you. And it's that it's that idea, and it's because we we held the magic as a professional photography and professional photographer org association and lab. We held the magic to make the great uh, results, the beautiful yeah. results. It doesn't mean we're doing the best we could possibly do, because out of all of those people who are doing that work, there were and there are absolute you know magicians in that doing beautiful, oh, beautiful work, phenomenal. Um, but the there's best. also a lot of mess in the middle there that we're just phoning it mm-hmm. in. And mm-hmm. I think this is where you're talking about with niche. And I feel for this longboarding uh, girl who's starting <laughs> off a business because she probably feels she has to be somebody else to be successful. Exactly. Um, exactly. Like that is the root exactly. of, um, I personally believe, and I don't know what I'm talking about, but I believe this is the root of all mental health is that <laughs> we all feel yeah. like we've got to be someone else because we're not yeah. good enough or someone's told us we're not good enough or whatever. And yeah. the quicker if you can ever work it out. And that interview I did with Joel from Barefoot and Bearded. Oh, great example. Like, there's a great example of someone who's like, this is who I am, take it or leave yep. it. And yep. yes, I want to take photographs of people. Looks almost like it might be a, a bit on the edge of being pornography, but I, these are my people. They ride, they have tattoos and they ride motor cafe races and they live yep. ed- edgy and they, you know, I want to, oh, and, and he photographs and the stuff is beautiful. It's free yeah. from any constraints any yes. ideas of feeling what it should be like? It's yep. And and but the problem is, is you get the Joel or you get the um, you know, the Jonas's or you get the Daniels or you get the da- you know, you get the whoever the, whoever the trend is at the moment. You get the Kellys, and everybody watches that and goes, "Well, I need to be that." Yes. And and I go, "Well, hang on, no, 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 that's that's not you. Yeah. That's not you." Like and and uh, like I really, you, he, I'll go one step even further. Here's a great need in the photography industry that I think is literally there are hundreds of thousands of dollars left on the table. Be 
the bogan tradie photographer. Yeah, totally. Embrace your inner bogan. Like, and, and again, all of us as Australians, there's not any one Australian that doesn't have at least a few cells yes. that is 100% bogan. That's part of <laughs> well, being I like Australian. riding a jet ski. I've ridden, yeah, there I've we ridden go. one once, you know, and I like a good ute. So I've definitely there you got go. Yeah, there we go. And, I, and I'm from southeast Queensland and the bogans come thick and fast. No, no, hang on. You you're from you the know. Gold Coast, mate. Re yeah, well. Refine that. The Goldie. <laughs> you're from Lame I'm, Bikinis. Gold Lame that's Bikinis. It. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm with the, uh, you know, the meter maids and uh, surface parasites up there. So, uh, but I really do believe, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about being crass or a Rodney Rood or anything like that, yeah. though that might be your calling. Yes. You might be the Rodney Rood of photography. Yes. But what I'm saying is if you can be – if you can talk the talk and walk the walk and talk to the tradies because I tell you what, there is nobody with more expendable cash to spend in young families. If you want to photograph young families, if you can get the young Bogan family yeah. – and again, I do not – there's not one – ounce of disrespect in my voice here. I'm not having a go at anybody. But the young tradie, uh, you know, the young guy who's 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 just, you know, qualified on the tools or he's just done whatever and he's got the young family, if you can speak to him about what he's into, and I'll give you a big hint, it's usually about cars and, you know, their tools or whatever like that. If that's you, if you actually get excited by that stuff or you came from that industry or your husband's in that industry – I tell you what, if you can somehow embrace that and be and and speak their language, they will trust you to the ends of the earth. They will spend as much money as you want them to spend and they will refer you to all of their network and that's what you want. Yeah. You know, but I think so many people are trying to get into that upper echelon of the upper middle class or people who you know in the nicer suburbs who we think have got more money. And the reason, reason why they're usually living in that nicer suburb is because they're very tight with their money yeah. and they don't like spending it. But I, I really do think that if you can find that niche, who, whatever that is, where, whether it's the longboarding mum, whether it's the arts and crafty girl who, you know, puts whatever, you know, whatever that thing is that you do that you love, you know, really, whether, like I, I spoke to a, I spoke to another, uh, this is more to do with the radio the radio side of things, but with everything that we've gone through on the tail end of, you know, this COVID thing and all, you know, people being at home for school and everything, I spoke to a mum who homeschools her kids at the, you know, all, all the time. And she had, was, had a lot to say around, you know, a lot of parents asking questions about homeschooling their kids. She has a daughter who's into photography and we're talking like, Again, not I'm not putting anybody down, but incredibly conservative, homeschooled style, not religiously conservative, but just conservative in their worldview and how they dress yeah. and things like that. Very sociably, you know, again, you, as soon as you say homeschooling, people think that they've, you know, they're, they're you know, Cletus from the hills type of thing. No, nothing like that. They were socially with it and everything like that. Really, really uber smart, my goodness. But um, they were into photography. And I was like, you have your market right there in front of you. Yeah. You know, like if you could tap into the homeschool market of photography for, you know, that type of thing or the conservative side of it, boom, go like it is, know you know, be, be, yeah, be true to who you sell, who, who you are. So, yeah. so we're really close to our hour. I've got one last question along that line. Okay. <laughs> and it's not a, not a difficult one, although it might be, but I was just thinking 
the first thing you do when you started out with your photographic career and you uh, you photograph your mates, the people, and if you've done it right, you're working within the circle of people that you, you're associated, like, as the example, the homeschool market or yes. the jet ski loving ute drivers or whatever it might yep. be. Eventually, you kind of run out of that circle, right? You run out of yep. hopping from contact to contact in that circle and you need to go that next step where you kind of kind of grow up into a bigger business and I, I you know some people refer to as crossing the badlands you know mm-hmm. you've got yourself sorted out but you need to do to get across this to have to get this sort of regular traffic and that is there anything marketing wise because i know this is your thing right you're really great with media and social media is there anything people can do to help keep that role going or grow that role uh, with that, and I know niche is a big part of it, as you said. You've got to yeah. push yourself as, yeah. as this person. But what what bit of advice would you give to to somebody? I I, I would say I, I would you know again I would say really niche yourself you know into a particular market. Really niche yourself as in who you are as a person. But the uh, the other thing that that is that I think is incredibly important is become an expert. Become the expert in your field. So for example. In my, in my example, which I can speak to because I've thought about it a lot, is I wanted to become the expert photographer of four-year-olds and know four-year-old psychology backwards and forwards. I had already contacted uh, three different um, psych- child psychologists around the world who were experts in childhood development and had a lot to say about what is going on in the four-year-old's brain at that point of development. And there are so many different things you could talk about in that way. Health, you know, um, you know, what they're eating, sleep, brain, you know, so many bits of information you could put out there and make yourself an expert in that field. So there, there is in that one, if again, for my one, because there's always new, four-year-olds rolling along you know there's yeah, a, yeah. there's a, there's a there's a constant scene of four-year-olds and there's a constant feed of mums who have got the four-year-olds and you want to be you want to release information and you want to be an expert that is putting out really quality content and I'm not talking photographs yeah. I'm not talking photos I'm talking content so whether you do a podcast you know, whether you do a Instagram video series, whether you make a YouTube channel, whether you make whatever it is that you feel comfortable is, or you do all of it, you become the experts in that field or you become the expert in that field so that when people who are interested in that, in that, you know, universe, they, they, they think of you and, and hopefully you, you, you can then become a bit wider and people, Around the world or around the country, around the state, whatever you feel comfortable with, once they start looking into that world or Googling it or whatever or refer to it, your your content will come up. Yeah. That's interesting. And they're gonna be interest they're gonna be interested in that content first and in your personality. They're gonna be they're gonna Google search for the content. Yep. So in my universe, they'd be like, Oh man, my four-year-old is having trouble sleeping or my four-year-old is wetting the bed or man my four-year-old is so hyperactive i wonder what's out there oh look here's this thing about this guy uh, dj somebody running a and he's got a he's doing an interview with this uh psychologist about four gee that's really interesting oh man those photographs are fantastic that's great and he's a i like him as well he's pretty funny that that would be good that and then all of a sudden you're you're the expert of that and 
you know, and ring ring. And we all know, I mean, just look at that niche wedding photography world that's out there. Once someone falls in love with that personality and they feel like you're a member of their tribe, money's not an option. Yeah. All right, right. I, 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 DJ, I'm in Newcastle. Ring, ring, I'm in Newcastle. Well, I'm down in Geelong. My travelling fee is this much. Great. When can you get here? Yeah, it's wonderful. That I, I really do believe that that's what that that what that's what happens. And and you've got to be confident enough to say, yeah, my travel fee is this much, and I charge that much per day. And da 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 da. Yeah. You can't go. Be, well, because you're in Newcastle, I'll listen. I'll give you a disc. No, 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 no. Don't be sorry about who you are and where you're at. You 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 have a a firm you know price set. Be confident in how much you're charging. And and because you're working with a really quality lab like Atkins, oh, DJ. you 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 can charge. You, <laughs> you're you're not ashamed. Yeah, you, well, whoever it is, you're not ashamed. See, here's the problem: uh, this longboarding photographer mum that I'm talking about, she was still she was like, yeah, but I just found out that I can get, you know, um, you know, Kmart does a really cheap special of, and I was like, oh, hun, you know. Yeah, but your clients can go to Kmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, and you're never going to beat them there. Um, so you need to have stuff that you are excited to sell yeah. that is worth the money that you're asking. And and I think that's where partnering with a good lab and knowing who you are there. Yeah. So no, that's I, I agree advice. with you 100% on that. I, I think there's, if it's something that you would have on the wall yourself or, you know, and it's something you'd personally love, you're not selling it. You're And, and yeah. because you're, these people are affiliating themselves with you, it's, choosing you because they trust and they're interested in you, they're going to follow yeah. the next step and go, well, what what would you do with these shots that you've taken? Yeah. You go, well, this is what I've got of my, you know, longboarding four-year-old on the wall. And yeah, know, <laughs> just to mix our metaphors. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, this has been absolutely lovely. I've, um, I'm so grateful that you, you popped on. I know you, you talk all the time on the radio to people every, every week, and I know this is. And you've you've stepped into the breach because we've had some technical issues this week. Uh, not that I yeah. wouldn't want to have you here anyway, and I'm I'm hoping we can we can speak again a, a little bit further down the track. Uh, I, you know, Paul, I am here anytime, anytime you want to chat. I could, uh, I could, I could chat with you all day long. Yeah. And uh, enjoy every every second of me it. Me too. Mate. And we've got like matching microphones because you help me get these microphones. <laughs> matching microphone arms because we you help me get that mic. There's nothing that you haven't given us, DJ, and we're incredibly grateful. Uh, and and thank you for this afternoon so much. And uh, well, we'll talk again soon. Hey. Yep. 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 Follow. I'll do. I'll do the. I'll do the. Uh, uh, I'll be. Yeah, I've got to do the please subscribe and the follow me on social media thing. DJ Payne, DJ P-A-I-N-E. And I'm more than happy to say if anybody has got any questions or want me to give any advice, uh, want me to look at anything or anything like that, I'm 100% free. I'm ready to do it. And this is the beauty of being an amateur photographer now. I am. I am. Ha I'm happy to give you some minutes and some and some time to to help you out. I'd love to do That's it. Super generous of you. All right. Well, stay safe. I am. See you soon, buddy. Hi. Welcome back, everybody. What was that? Was that DJ? Whack whack. Whack whack. All right. Wiggity whack. Oh, wiggity whack. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Listen. Just He's embrace your old guy, man. Okay, you are an old man. All right? Just embrace yeah. it. It's okay. Okay. You know, go G Willikers. Golly. There is something. Mm. So tell me. Yeah. 
business models that DJ was talking about. What mm. did you think about his specialization? Specialization. Yeah, stuff? I think it's really good. It's pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Where's the bogan photographer? I know. That's a great idea. Yeah. I, I'm only doing jet skis and utes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought that stuff was really interesting. And he's right. Like, if you talk to, and this is something definitely we hear all the time. And that, I mean, that, that's one of the benefits that we have as a lab is that we're a bit like the priests of the industry that all the photographers will tell us everything yeah. um, because, you know, we're sort of this neutral arbiter of it all because we're not photographers, we're not in competition with them. But, um, you know, talking about how much money rich people will spend on their on their families versus poor people, and there there is absolutely anecdotally anecdotally yes. um, evidence of that. That you know, the clients that any client you talk to, they will say the you know the father rocks up with his Bentley and shoves the kids out and stands in front of the camera for ten seconds and orders nothing. Yes, and then the the plumber with his you know rocks up in his Ute and they order thirty five prints the size of That's a right. mattress on their wall yeah. and. No, it's it's good, and the the whole thing about that picking the age of the child that is most interesting to photograph. Yeah, the, and it's I think the it's specialization, and it really, I mean, you know, and it feeds back into what um, uh, Barefoot was talking about. Yes, John, where he sort of specialized again with that with that business. Um, with the uh, with the sort of boudoir but not boudoir. Um, it's like episode four or something. Wasn't yeah, it, yeah. Guess, yeah, yeah. Really, really great stuff. Um, his and I think I and and also with the elopement, you know, like specialising and saying just yeah, elopements. yeah, yeah. I I don't like weddings. Like that's a pretty radical thing to go out there. And it makes it really easy to market yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, d- I you know the whole I shoot four year olds only photographs. It's a it's a it can feel a bit creepy. And DJ alluded to that. Mm. So the way it's marketed, you'd have to be super careful about it. But it's a great special. It doesn't stop you from shooting families. No. It just means that it's easy to, to get well, known like as the guy. S- Simone Henkel is an Adelaide photographer and she she her thing was only black and white. She shot families and she only shot black and white. And, you know, she was really good at it and, and just she shot our kids. She did beautiful work. So, you know, I think there's I think I think it's a really interesting way. I mean, we've done the same thing. You know, we we could have bought a billion dollar machine that does calendars and business cards and all that crap and do all that cheap cheap stuff and magazine style books and that um but we decided we wanted to have better quality than that so we decided that's a way to make that decision and then you're not then chasing calendars and and business cards at the same time as trying to chase high-end work which we're better at we're you know i think if you're if you have one of those uber expensive machines that that does calendars and magazines and everything else, you have to kind of be, you're really not in the land of printing top quality individual images. You're no. really, it's really more of a. Um, well, 500 of that. Well, it's a logistics, it's a logistics business. Correct. You know, it's about getting the amount of paper through the machine yes. at the correct, correct rate. Yeah. And the, you know, what's actually on the, on the paper is, is secondary to that. So I think it's that you then are allowed to, if you specialize, you're allowed to then, um, it allows you to make a whole lot of decisions. You don't have to continue to make every day. Often I, I, I will – and like this is tricky, I think, for certain people in certain marketplaces, like people in country regional areas. They will shoot weddings, families, portraits, births, deaths, cows, horses, like the whole bloody kit and caboodle because they kind of need to do that to capture enough work. But I still think there's 
a place there to go, well, I am in regional Victoria and I am going to shoot only four-year-olds and I also am a teacher part-time or I'm yeah, a yeah, yeah. I mean, homemaker you, you could or easily, whatever. You could easily market your, like, the if you're in regional Victoria, like the front gate photographer, we get the family around the front gates of the farm. Yeah, yeah. And it and doesn't it, stop you doing even, the whole other stuff. Yeah, and then you can also you can also narrow it down again so you can say, well, this is going to be my project for this year. So you could be a photographer that shoots 35,000 different things every week because you are in regional Victoria, but you're going to have this 12 months I'm doing this project and it is the front gate portraits or the yeah. it is the cow portraits yeah, yeah. or whatever the hell it is. And then you, you kind of can hitch your your concept marketing concept around that yeah which is it's an such, interesting it's way really fabulous uh, yeah it's good and there's there's so much to be learnt from from specialization i love the idea of knowing who you are not uh, yeah and, and be knowing yeah. then quickly saying no i'm not gonna take on the school because you know i don't want to become a school photographer or a yeah and i don't know i mean i'm a kind of a person who i uh, like i like the the oprah line no is a complete sentence you don't have to give a reason you can just go no i don't do that um and i, I can't do that i know you, you can't darling because you're you meant to do yes but no no yes i am but you're gonna have to pay a fortune no so you got to just did then no, i see what you did twice so you're ready for your moment anyway of color? so what i'm saying what a moment of color yeah so wh- what is your moment of color what are you gonna oh, do hang on, now you you've no, lost i interrupted you, you. you fucking did i can't even remember what i was gonna you're say good oh really <laughs> The listeners out there right now are desperate to hear the completion of my brilliant thought that I had and it's gone. Do you need a moment? No. Do Yes, a moment of colour. <laughs> <laughs> High five. <laughs> High five. <laughs> do it, dickhead. Okay. What are you going to talk about? Well, I thought I'd do is we're extending the whole colour discussion that we had last time yes. with colour spaces where that we talked about a screen and we talked about coloured pencils mm-hmm. and all that fabulous stuff. I thought I'd mention the whole Adobe RGB, sRGB. So the only experience I have with this that makes any sense to me because I'm not a photographer and, you know, like whatever, but is that um, I once had a bunch of images that I put on the internet and they looked fine on my uh, in Photoshop and then when I put them on the internet, they looked like a zombie had invaded my images. They were yellow and grey and freaky looking. Really? And you, what do you mean, really? You, no, 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 I, I rang you in a complete yeah, hissy fit because I uploaded them all to our website and they looked fucking so, crazy. Hang on, do you town. want a worse example than that? That I know that you were involved with? Not a bad hey, thing. Hey, what's this? Beat up Kate Day. No, it's not beat up Kate Day. What about the CD covers for. Oh, fuck me. Really? No. Unless <laughs> that's no, no, too no. horrifying. No, it is. But it's, it's an interesting idea of what you're seeing on the screen and the black that was generated. Awful. I was very to young t- and stupid. I no, didn't you know what stupid. I was doing. Was now we're going to bring up my failures no, as a graphic designer. This is not it's fun. A, it's a trap for young players we're talking about here. Mm. And it's a good example. Well, we don't want to talk about that one specifically, but let's just talk about colour spaces. So y- your mention of the what looks good on the internet the thing you've got to remember of the internet is for anyone to see the internet and the idea of the internet is not everyone goes into one room and looks at the internet. They look at the internet Thank through God. their own portal. Yes. Be their, their computer or their screen, their phone, all that kind of stuff uh, because it's what they have and that's the whole benefit of it. So each one of those portals is seeing what you're putting up there in a different way. So the decision that the uh, sort of accidentally made with the internet was – We'll assume everything is the smallest colour space possible and um, ignore any other sort of colour management tricks. 
And so everything's assumed the smaller space. And for a color management trick to work, in the digital image that you're putting up there, it's got to have a, a profile attached. And that profile says, I'm from a Nikon D800 camera or I'm from this computer screen or I'm from Adobe RGB. And then it's got to translate it to whatever device you're viewing on. So if you're looking at on a phone, the phone has an, its own way of seeing what's on the internet. So to get around all those problems, the internet just said, stuff it, or web browsers and the people who design web browsers just said, stuff it, we're seeing everything in sRGB. And unless you give it to me in sRGB, I'm going to just ignore what you're giving me and make it sRGB. So, you know, it's, it's painful from the terms of knowing what's possible but the complexity that comes around and the size of files that increase as you start bringing colour spaces with pictures and, and all that makes the internet slow and not work. So they said, ignore everything, make it sRGB. Now, sRGB is a colour space designed, I believe, I could be wrong here, but I believe it's a very early colour space. I believe Sony were behind it. I don't think the S is for Sony in any way possible. I could be wrong with that, but it is a very small colour space and it was designed to mimic the way that colour could be reproduced back then, which was those old big deep screens that put off a lot of heat, you know, the VGA displays, yeah. uh, the CRT displays, cathode ray tubes, the ones that you saw on a computer that was about a, like 50 centimetres deep behind them on your desk. Those were basically sRGB and everything was around that. So if Adobe RGB is actually a lot larger than that. So if you're thinking about putting an Adobe RGB through ignoring Adobe RGB and just putting an sRGB space, think about it like, uh, imagine you've rolled out a big sheet of dough, you've made your biscuits, right? You've rolled you out a big sheet. Yes, I'm hungry for biscuits, me, already. You are permanent. I know. So imagine this is like a, a, a round thing on the desk as you rolled it out with your rolling pin and it's about, I don't know, a foot square, you know, 30 centimetres round, this bit of dough. And then you go and grab a biscuit cutter. If you're an American, they're called cookie cutters, but we call them biscuits in Australia. You get a biscuit cutter. Let's say you've got one that's 15 centimetres round. So it's going to make one of those giant big round and you stomp it in the middle of it. Okay. What you get is this perfect circle in the middle of this great big thing you've rolled out. Now, everything that's inside that, imagine everything inside that biscuit cutter is sRGB. But Adobe RGB was the whole thing you rolled out. And all you've done is you've just stamped, stomped it out there and ignored the fact you've got all this extra dough around the outside. Now, that dough, you know, to mix my metaphors, that's all the colours on the outside of the, in this big, giant Adobe RGB space. And we've just stomped sRGB on it. We've ignored colour management and we've just pulled out sRGB-sized space out the middle of it. And then we've sacrificed all those colours around the outside. So if you put an Adobe RGB image on the internet, most web browsers... Most everything, but I think one web browser. I think that might be Safari. I don't, could be wrong, could be Firefox, but most will just assume it's sRGB and your Adobe RGB file will just drop in color. It'll desaturate. Yeah. It'll go down to a, not black and white, but it'll go to a mo lot more muted tones. It just kills it. Yeah. So you need to convert those files to sRGB from Adobe. And the difference between what I just told you there where we put that biscuit cutter, stomped it out, that's called a signing. We just ignored the fact it's Adobe RGB and we just stomped out. A signing. A signing, yeah, a signing. Not signing, a signing. You've assigned um, 
and in Photoshop would be your edit menu and you'd go assign color profile and you would assign this. You never do that because what that does, it just stomps out. Whereas if you go convert, you're so going to... in Photoshop, you're saying... So in Photoshop. If you want to cha- make sure your color profile is sRGB, no. Yes. Yes. You convert... convert to sRGB. In Lightroom, you would convert export... Convert to sRGB, you don't assign sRGB. Yes. In Lightroom, you can only export... Why would they even allow assigning sRGB? Yeah, good point. I think it's because there's a lot of images out there back in the day that never had a colour profile. So you have to kind of work out which one it Well, there still to. are. I mean, there's a famous lab whose name will not be mentioned on this podcast who does a lot of scanning for people all over oh, the film world. Scanning. Very famous photographers. And they don't assign any uh, colour... Yeah, profile, profile at all. Yeah, so you get the files and you go, and if you've got Photoshop set up correctly, it'll say, this has no profile, what mm. do you want to do? Mm. And you need to make a decision as to what profile it is. Now yeah, you can which go, means you don't know what the hell yeah, they're supposed to look like. That's right. And you can go and you can try different profiles and find, find the one that you think works the best. But really, a good lab should be providing you with a profile that was scanned in. So the assigning, pro- the, sorry, converting process, what happens there? is it maps all the colours from the larger colour space to the smaller colour space relatively. It shrinks that large bit of dough and stuffs it in that smaller space. It doesn't cut it out. Um. It packs it in. So all those colours around the edge that are beyond the the capabilities of sRGB, yeah. all those all the outside the biscuit cutter, instead of them just getting lobbed off, they get squashed and compressed around the edge. And there's different ways you can choose to squash and compress it. But it keeps the colours relative to each other. So imagine a bright red dress. Mm. And let's say it's outside of sRGB space. If we if we just stomp it with a biscuit cutter, just assign sRGB, you'll just lose all the maximum parts of that saturation. It'll be a slab solid colour. It won't have that shape and detail that a dress needs to see that it's a dress. It'll look like someone's just painted on top of the print red. It would just look like that slab. So with a conversion, you probably don't even notice with your brain that you're missing that extreme red. You probably won't miss it. You'll just it'll just say, oh yes, red. But when you look and compare two prints, one in Adobe RGB or one file on Adobe, one sRGB, you see, oh, it's not quite as rich that red. But because it's relatively moved into that space, you can still see it's red and you can see all the shape in the dress and so you accept it and you, you, you think, oh, it's a great picture. You don't notice that it's a smaller colour space. And that's the magic of colour management when you get that side of a thing. So, right. so these photographers that don't ever use Photoshop and they just use Lightroom, yeah. how's it handled there? See, Lightroom's better because it protects... Uh, you can't really use an image in Lightroom without colour management yeah. uh, in it. So when you go into Lightroom, you send that photo out to the for the internet or whatever, you can choose sRGB as the export. Yeah. It's always going to put it and embed it in there. If you export it, you can choose Adobe RGB. You can p- choose Profoto RGB. So when you're applying a preset, for example, yes. does, the, does the preset have an expectation that your image is in a specific colour space? That's a really good question. My guess is the people that design the presets don't understand what they're doing. Oh, um, <gasps> Bum bum! Paul just threw it down. He's attacked an entire section of the industry. Let's just note that that was not Kate who just said that. (laughs) That was Paul. It was because the a preset is a set of slider positions in Lightroom, and it could be where the white balance is slider, where the 
blacks. We, we should talk about this in another episode. Yes, we will. We should. Um, but all that is, is is that stuff now. It's assuming that that's been designed with the particular image that that photographer is looking at on their screen who made the preset. They're looking at an image of their own that they've taken with their camera and their settings, with their exposure settings, and they've got those numbers and they go, yeah, that's cool. Let's apply that to everything. It doesn't work. Like the amount of people who try and apply a preset to things that – and it's got to look like the original intended image and it's got to have the same colour space, which is relevant to what you're asking yeah. for. And if someone is shooting and make, shooting raw, a JPEG and they've produced an sRGB file, the preset's going to behave differently than it will in Adobe RGB. So, okay, let's have that preset chat another time. Yes. So is that our moment of colour? That's our moment of colour, honey. Lovely. Well. And all without having to embarrass me horrendously from 300 years ago when I made a mistake with black. We all make mistakes. I was there too. I made it with you. Yeah, well, I'm responsible. I'm the graphic designer. But that's CMYK and we can also talk about CMYK. CMYK sucks. We don't want to talk about CMYK. Yeah, not today. Another day. We need like alcohol and biscuits. Let's do it. Can we get biscuits? Where do we get biscuits from? We've got them upstairs. We make the teenagers cook the biscuits. We make the teenagers cook the biscuits. One of them's still at his boy at her boyfriend's house. The other one's busy wrecking one of my sewing machines. Correct. Well, oh, we love you all. We do. Have a We're nice week. This week. Stay safe. Yeah. Don't put put a fucking mask on and wash your filthy hands. If you're hands. in Victoria, please, please, oh, don't. please be careful. Poor Victoria. Do what they say. Lock yourself down. Get a test. Oh, we haven't talked about the fact that I got a test. You did. You did. Let's save it for the next episode, though. Really? Two weeks old and I got a COVID test? Nobody cares in two weeks. Okay. Well, let's tell the, let's tell the people then. I got a COVID test because I had a sniffle and they went, here, go and have a COVID test. And they shoved a stick down my throat and a stick up my nose and it was fine. Yeah. And the beauty of the t- testing where we are here in little old Adelaide is you got the test basically... The next day from where you wanted one. 24 hours later, I got the result. And the result was less than 24 no, hours. No, it was. It was less, less than 24 hours. So which meant you didn't have to sit around isolating until the test results came back and then have to wait a week. You did isolate, but you isolated for one day. I like, know. Like, Frankly, my Netflix, my Netflix list was looking forward to me isolating for longer than that. So this is how the world should work. You know, if testing was good. Yeah, but there's 900 people in Melbourne refusing to be tested regardless. Ugh. And people. it's got to be lack of education and understanding and people all that. People are worse. Well, the thing is, the, my feeling is they just don't want to, if they don't know that they're positive, they, they're going to get sick and they're going to go through a flu. They don't know it's COVID or not. And they said, oh, I'm used to that. I'll be out in a week and I'll be better. But that's not true. No, it's not true. But that's then right. that's education. But if they get tested and they get positive, then they can't do anything for two weeks and yes, they go through the horror of the last three months. They shouldn't do anything yes. for, th- for two weeks. It's two fucking weeks. Have a holiday. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, look. Good luck, Victoria. Good luck, rest of the world. We'll, well see the you. rest of the world, we can't go. We can't. I mean, that's. No. We'll speak to you next week. Jesus, that ended on a real dark night, babe. <laughs> I blame you. Bye.